Round one. Fight. Heroes never die. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Power, sex, sex, power. They both come down to one thing. Hungry gamers. Hello, 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 and welcome, boys and girls, to the 285th episode of the Hungry Gamers Podcast. We are powered by Apid.net and those sexy audio-based legends over at Audio Technica. Check out their brand new website and get yourself some gear ASAP. I am your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan 8-Bit. And joining me today, my podcast, Rod I Die, through sickness and in health. You can find her on them socials at Miss Ally Hart. Miss Ally Hart, how the bloody hell are you? Doing better now, thank you. Yeah, I've uh, I've heard you've been a little little ill the last uh, week or so. Yes, yes. Uh, took a while, but I got the COVID, so... <laughs> Yeah, uh, it was nasty. Um, I could only imagine how horrible it would have been hadn't I had my vaccine a booster shot. So um kind of glad I did that because it was a oh it was it was it was a lot of sleeping, but there was the struggles that kind of happened in between all that business. So it's been a week now, so good to go. Got my energy back. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, ready, ready to sit back in the podcast chair. Thank you, Jono, for keeping my seat warm. Yeah, he he, he did an admiral job last weekend and um, kept us on the straight and narrow. I I thought that I had the onset of COVID just as we were recording. Like I, that sort of weekend it, it hit me as well. But I just had some random loogie. The the COVID still does not want myself, no matter how hard I try. But uh, maybe <laughs> one day, maybe one day I'll catch you it. You do but... not. You do not want that business. <laughs> I can tell you that now. Nothing. I thought I lived a really sad hermit life as it is, but no, it's even sadder when you kind of confine yourself to one room. So yeah, that would be tough. Like you get a lot of you time, and you can focus on catching up on a lot of shows and games or whatever, or just a lot of sleep. So uh, there's some there's some positives that come from such a negative ailment yeah when you're not sleeping all the time i had to rewatch a lot of things because i fell asleep through most of it so but i finished critical roles um first campaign of box machina so that's insane like like you were crunching the numbers for me uh earlier in the week and you said 113 episodes approximately 115 i said 13 again you even corrected me earlier 115 episodes at around four to four and a half hours per episode yeah uh, my husband calculated it to 19 days of my life. <laughs> so On just anyway. one campaign too. That's one just campaign. one. Yeah. Yeah, that's just the one. It was great. It's, I loved it. I I laughed. I cried. It was great. So I'm, I, I'll, I'll wait till I start the second campaign because I get a little obsessive and just that's all I will watch. So, but um, highly recommend it. Anyone that's been interested, um, I can tell you now just by watching it, it will make you want to play D&D. So. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm still yet to dip that toe. I know it's inevitable uh, that mm. the more you talk about it and the more Benny and other friends of ours talk about it, I'm like, I know it's going to be great. I love the animated series they did on Amazon. So I have a feeling I'm going to love watching the the original source material and see this all play out live in a very unfiltered, unscripted manner. But I just haven't taken the plunge because I've been too busy uh, watching so many 
romantic comedy slice of life animes this past week. <laughs> Holy guacamole. I have been on the uh, the binge train something hard. I'm just going to sort of high level skim over. But um, I fell in love with a show called The Quintessential Quintuplets uh, last okay. weekend when I was sick. And yes, that name sounds very bizarre. The really short version of this show is, you know, five sisters, obviously quintuplets, and they're, they're in high school and they're not very good students. Like, they're not very smart. They're not doing well in their tests. So they, so they get one of their fellow students who's like the top of the class, the smartest boy in the room all the time, to, uh, to tutor them to try and get their grades up so they don't get, you know, kicked out of the school and things like that. So okay. there's hilarity in him trying to connect to the, to the five very different personality types of each one of the sisters and then trying to work out common ground to get them interested in studying. But then, like, as this happens over time, they all start to develop feelings for him. So then they're all, like, the throes of the five sisters sort of loving this guy and, and working out if it's you no know, true feelings or how to win him over. So there's sort of this, like, cat and mouse with all the sisters and this guy who's very aloof to it anyway and just wants to study and be just this smart bookworm model student so it's super fun super funny to watch i watched both seasons within like a day and i just found out there was a movie that came out in the past week so i'm trying to dig that up at the moment to check that out and there's a third (laughs) season on the way because i want to know because like in the credits it shows him marrying one of the sisters but you don't know who it is so it's almost like a how i met your mother situation where you know the end goal but you don't know how and who so I love that. Super cute. Another one I watched that <laughs> the title of this one's even worse. It's called Rent a Girlfriend. Oh, Lord. And um, similar concept, you know, they're older now, you know, they're 20 somethings at university. And this, this guy's just been dumped by this, his first girlfriend of his life. He, he was, <clears throat> she was the love of his life and, and he got dumped like a month in and he was grieving and he's like, what can I do to forget her? And there was, you know, like a, almost like a Craigslist website where you can, you can rent certain girls to be your girlfriend for a day and, you know, get the girlfriend experience in air quotes. And so he signs up to this service and has this long con where his friends and family meet this girlfriend that he was renting through coincidental moments. And then he's like, well, I can't break up. Like I can't break up with her now. She has to be my girlfriend. So he's like dating this fake girlfriend for a year and dealing with all that other hijinks and other people, you know, it's another that then all these other people start falling for him. Just cute, dumb, romantic comedy has been my uh, my poison this week. And the other one is Lovers War, where these two heads of a school both love each other, but they refuse to tell each other they do. So they're like trying to shit stir and wind each other up enough for the first one to yield and actually say, you know, I do have feelings for you. And, you know, <laughs> they would be the winner. So there's just this constant jousting and jostling for power and trying to make the person look silly to then be like, yeah, sorry, I've, I've felt for you this whole time. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just in a, a romantic comedy spiral, Miss Hart. Um, help me, please. Absolutely adorable. I, I love hearing these, uh, especially these ones. Like, I'm not f- one for, like, judging a book by its cover because, I mean, we all are victims of it. But just, like, seeing you and then hearing about these animes that you've been watching, it just doesn't line up, but it's quite mm. adorable. So, but I mean, I mean, it, there's a whole, there's a there's a massive genre in anime and really popular in Japan. So, yeah, I, I love it. Like these, just right. these nice, like pure of heart shows that are wholesome and funny and cute and 
romance laden and I'm all for it. So it's been a been a nice uh nice palate cleanser all week watching that leading up to I watched the first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi that mm. dropped last night on Disney Plus. Obviously I'm not going to spoil anything cuz I'm not like that, but um I'm enjoying what they're putting on the screen. Um Ewan McGregor fell right back into that robe. Uh felt very Obi-Wan-esque and yeah, I'm keen to see what they do in future episodes and obviously through the trailers, you know that they're they're leading heavily into the whole Order sixty six situation and the Inquisitors, and I'm just excited to see what they do with all that. Um, it was really cool that the tone was, the tone was unexpected, but it felt great. Yeah, we still yet to watch it in this household. We'll probably be watching it after, probably after the podcast. To be honest with you, um, seeing mixed messages, mixed um, opinions. Sorry about the shows so yeah it should be interesting to see how it is how how i receive it because mm. it's very very mixed it feels better than the majority of uh the book of boba fett if uh you want a, a cheap comparison i still can't believe they dropped that one yeah yeah but um i see you've been watching something else before we pivot into i guess what we've been playing this week so to to your happiness I actually watched 1883. It's just called mm-hmm. 1883, right? Yep. The um, prequel to Yellowstone? Yeah, like, it's it's completely unnecessary that they've... Well, it's not unnecessary. Like, they, they can see that Yellowstone is this giant cash cow, so they're trying to get every penny out of that, that brand yeah. as much as they can. They've got 1883, then they've got... I think they've already confirmed a follow-up to this, which is 1932, I think, which is, like, the next prequel to Yellowstone that's on the way but yeah 1883 is a standalone showing how the Dutton Ranch and the Dutton family came to be yeah well full disclosure I've watched parts and episodes of Yellowstone because my husband really got into it and Brendan's heard a lot of my opinions of it so I won't hit everyone else with it but it's not positive (laughs) it is very not positive you did not really enjoy Yellowstone it was bad a lot of bad acting, bad story, bad a lot of things. And I just, the way I described it, it's a soap opera for men. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that you said it was The Young and the Restless for men. The, yeah, The Young and the Restless. Yes, exactly. The, the days of our lives. Damn you, Ridge. <laughs> but, um, so I couldn't endure that. But then uh, since my husband... Uh, kind of took a page from your book and just binged the whole thing of Yellowstone. He then started watching 1883. This one's not so bad. Um, I'm 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 liking the historical kind of element of it. There's definitely a lot more budget behind it, and it seems like they've kind of put a little a little bit more effort into story and kind of um, establishing likable characters in a sense and. Uh, like I said, I really like the historical element of it, learning about like um, you know Central America and like how you know the middle part of America kind of came to be and people found their wealth and such. Luckily, my husband's there, kind of filling me in on little historical facts about things, about why they're happening and why things are happening that they are. Um, but for the most part, I think if I could watch 1883 like that that one is one that has captivated me it's more interesting it looks a lot better and so if anyone's been wondering should I start Yellowstone or should I start 1883 my opinion is just go straight to 1883 especially if you're maybe a bit of a history buff or you like like more of the wild west kind of style it's it's pretty good 
It's really good. And it's so pretty. It's it's the way I've com- like compared it and described it to a lot of people. It's like poetry on the screen. Like a lot of the voiceovers and stuff and the way they talk about scenes and things going on. It's it's so poetic and it's so pretty, but then it's so freaking brutal. Like some of the things you see this, happen. Yeah. Like, you know, it was a hard time back then and, and patrolling these, these wild lands often were uh, full of risk and death and heartache and... Yeah, it's it's a beautiful show, and yeah, it's a nice one shot. The acting is good, considering that the lead was a country music star who is actually a pretty decent actor in his own right. It feels like these is days, he really? yeah, yeah, he's he and and Faith Hill, who plays his wife in this, obviously he's a country music star as well. well yeah, and they're well. both uh, pretty decent actors in their own right. So that's she good. Still to know. looks really good. Yeah, yeah, no, they've, age. they've aged well. They've aged well, very well. You know, money helps, I guess. But yeah, yeah true. That's true. But no, I, I love Data 83. Can't speak highly enough of it. Hmm. So. Yeah. Well, on the on the other side of the coin, what have you been playing this week? Obviously, like, I know you said that, you know, when you're sick, you kind of play video games, but I really couldn't. I didn't have energy <laughs> for anything. I, I couldn't think. I couldn't function. But um, a little game came out on Apple Arcade. So for those little moments or like bursts of energy and coherentness that I had, I was able to like play this game up, Warped Kart Races on my my phone on Apple Arcade. And it's a kart game based on a lot of the, I guess the Fox um, franchise. So you've got um, Family Guy, American Dad, um, King of the Hill. And I still keep forgetting what that damn alien show is called that, um, kind of has, I think it's the same people that did Rick and Morty maybe, or maybe it's just taking a page from that kind of style, but it's essentially just your standard cart race with, um, mm-hmm. characters from the shows and you've got your standard races and then you've got battle maps and everything like that. And for a game that I'm just playing on my mobile phone, it's actually been pretty decent, kind of reminiscent of the times of playing, uh, like all those kind of games that kind of get franchised uh, into a cart game um, with familiar characters and then blurting out quotes, you know, funny quotes from the series and such like that. But um, it's fine. It's like it's, it's it's good for a game that you play on your phone. It doesn't seem like there's going to be much longevity to it because I'm already unlocking a majority of the characters. And at this stage, I'm not seeing much in customization apart from each character having one. But it's fun. If, you, if you're a person that has um, like iOS or Apple Arcade, um, I think it's one probably to put on your radar. A little bit of fun. Snap game, I guess. Um, playing in short intervals. There's multiplayer, so you can play with people all around the world and race. And for handling on it, because I haven't got a controller to attach to my phone, for, for on-screen controls, it's not bad. Bad okay. with my nails, but not not terrible. So... It's it's been a good distraction from my ailment. <laughs> mm, I was um was actually looking at one of those backbone controllers. I think they're called the one that like uh... cradles your smartphone in, so your phone like then you actually have physical controls on the side for mobile gaming. I thought about buying one this week, but then I'm like, what am I going to play on my smartphone? Because I don't play anything on there apart from WWE Supercard right now, and I don't really need controls for that. So, do you guys have Xbox Cloud yet? We do, and that's what I thought. I'm like, that's probably the only thing that I'll be using, but like when I travel with work, that would be ideal. I can play Fortnite on the go via xCloud with the mm. Backbone controller. So maybe I need to buy one, and then I can jump into some warped kart races because I love a good kart game. 
Love it's not. Game. It really isn't that bad. There's a lot of elements of it that kind of reminded me of. Um, remember the South Park cart game? Like, oh yeah. What was that? I can't remember what it was called, but like it was fun and crude and very South Park. It was great. Yeah, exactly. Like it is. It it, it holds itself by being relatable and no, I wouldn't say nostalgic because the IP isn't necessarily that old. But oh, the King of the Hills. Um, but. Like it has, it, it, that's what keeps you interested and keeps you engaged in this kart race and why it, why it matters just a little bit more than your average like racing kind of game. So, mm. um, and it, it's not completely polished. There's a lot of graphical things that kind of happen while you're playing, and you're kind of like, oh, that's a bit rough. But <laughs> like I said, for a mobile game, it's actually pretty pretty decent. Can I ask, does does old uh, Hank Hill does he ride a lord ride on mower by chance? Is that his cart? You can pick whatever car you want, but oh, okay. yes, he his red um, ride on lawnmower is one of them, and I've been I have been driving on that, um, and the Pete Ma- Peter Mobile from Family <laughs> Guy. <so. laughs> I'll have to give it a look. Um, I've, I haven't played a ton of games this week either. Like uh, in between, just feeling a bit cruddy and watching all of the uh, romantic comedy anime on the planet i have been playing and working my way through sniper elite 5 which oh, has nice. also dropped this past week and it's available on xbox game pass which You've is you getting awesome. them uh, testicle shots I've, I've been x-ray shooting every appendage and organ on the planet it's been uh it's been fantastic but now nah, five star games via way of rebellion developments sh- shot me a code last week so i've sort of been chipping away at that and um I haven't been too familiar, like I haven't played a ton of the Sniper Elite games over the years, like obviously this is the fifth go around in that franchise and uh, I've been really enjoying it. So Sniper Elite 5, the setting, it's based in and around like the landing of Normandy, so you're landing in this world just before the big main landing itself happens, you know, just about every war game and combat game has covered back to front over the years. Like it is, I think, the most focus part of warfare that's that's been done on video game big screen small screen um you know we know that but this game yeah you jump into the into the role of of this sniper and you're you're teaming up with the french rebellion to just try and get some plans in place to make that landing be i guess as smooth as possible we we know in reality that's not the case but it's really fun like there's eight sandbox levels um and when i'm saying sandbox like think of if you've played a Hitman game where you've got yeah. so many routes to your goal and as far as how you want to achieve it, it's up to you. You can be as stealthily and as snipery as you like and try and find large vantage points and shoot guys from across the way. You can uh, interact with objects and vehicles in the environment to blow things up. You can incite violence in other ways, uh, melee and, and uh, you know close close quarters combat with with every gun under the sun. The great thing is every gun, you can put a suppressor on it. So you can be a little bit more run and gun and trigger happy as opposed to the traditional sniper archetype of standing back and just waiting for the ideal moment to, to kill your yeah. target. Uh, but as, as you mentioned, the, the franchise itself is known for that X-ray system where when you are getting that kill shot onto the enemy, gives you the slow-mo you watch the bullet cam go across the across the way (laughs) hits the target you see inside that target you see its organs get shot to hell and the bullet exits out the back and yeah it's it's yeah super mortal combat in in that x-ray archetype um and it's great i i wish like 
I don't know if this is going to make me sound a bit psychotic, but I wish it was gorier. Like, yeah, you, you, do see, you do see the bullet come through, right? Like, mm. and you see the x-ray, so you sort of see the trauma, like, of a headshot, and you see the bullet go through the brain, but you don't really see it, like, like the whole realism. Like, it gets capped. Like, knowing what these guns and these death machines can do, you'd think there'd be limbs flying and things like that happening, like in something like A Soldier of Fortune, which was violence to another degree. It's sort of scale back in this. You don't get a lot of that violence. You do get, like, blood splatter and, like, misting of blood and things when these bullets hit, but I wanted it to be more. Is that gross? Is that wrong? I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think if they're already going to this level of being like, hey, you've done a shot and you've actually hit such a specific location, we're going to go to the effort and show you exactly uh, like an x-ray version of the trauma that you've essentially caused. By sh- there's one minute of like kind of like showing you like, like I kind of said at the start, like a popped testy. Um, like you watch it just go pop. Like you see the organ or you see whatever, it kind of like pops or, you know, it gets the damage, the tear or whatever. But yeah, like you said, it's not necessarily gory for what's relatable to what's actually happening. But yeah, I I could understand it's like if you're going to go, you know, don't go half ass, go full ass. So yeah, full ass, full ass would have been great in that regard. But it's still really fun, like navigating this this battlefield that's just about to turn to hell with D-Day on its doorstep um, mm-hmm. is, is really cool. So knowing what's happening and knowing what you're trying to prevent adds this nice layer of tension. If anyone's familiar with with a little bit of history, I'd say just about everybody knows what, what's gone down at D-Day anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, playing as this Carl Fairburn, this, you know, this brazen American sniper um, who's a bit of a dude, it's kind of cool. He's he's easy to maneuver. The the controls pretty smooth. You've got some traversal options, so you can sort of climb and and sort of move around. In, in the previous ones, I think I played last one. I might have played was two or three, and it was a bit tanky. The controls it was a bit stiff and rigid in the movement, but oh, okay. it feels pretty intuitive. Like camera over the shoulder style, so you can always see Carl. And then obviously, when you're aiming down down sights, it's going to shift to first person ADS view through the sniper scope. So, um, yeah, you're seeing what's around you, you're stealthing around. You can choose to just YOLO and, and push in and just mow everybody down and trigger all the alarms and have everyone come at you, but it ain't going to end well. It, it rewards no. you on being smart and tactically efficient as far as those kills and using traps and decoys and distractions. And it's really fun. Like, uh, the, the eight different levels you get they're all very different and unique and as far as the the goals and the targets you need to assassinate or the war machines you need to take down but then the the locations are different you're going through like war-torn trench-laden farmland to an area where um you're at this um tidal island with a big like french castle on on a hillside you got to walk up And, and that one that level i think that was the third the third uh level in the game it sort of mixed things up a little bit instead of you constantly looking for the high ground and having a bit of advantage. This one is where you're sort of traversing it like upwards the whole time. So it's tougher for you to do the more snipey stuff. And instead you're stealthing around and merely killing guys and breaking necks and x-ray vision and guys through the throat with a little dagger. And it's kind of cool and, and it kept things fresh and yeah, it's gruesome and fun and gory and tense. But then 
something else that they've brought into this game that just blew my mind and it got me super excited for more because if, if you're playing this game online, mm. you can have, have it setting where um, you can be playing and you can have something on called Invasion where you're working through these main levels, but then an enemy sniper that's real control character, so, so say you could invade my game to try and kill me, where I have to try and kill you. Like, think oh, of anyone like that's watched... Loop. Yeah, like Deathloop or anyone that's watched, like, the movie Enemy at the Gates, the best Fucking war sniper movie. So good. Movie. You with me? Yeah. Picture that. Like, picture those exchanges between Ed Harris and Jude Law. And that's what this game becomes. Like, you've, you're running around this war, war zone, but then you've got a German sniper trying to hunt you down. And if you just, like get scared and go prone if you're if you don't move enough for a certain period of time it will then notify the the enemy that's trying to kill you where you are so then they Aww. can make a beeline straight for you but you can use like a almost like a, a sniper sense where you sort of long click the right stick and it'll sort of show like it'll point like on the compass the enemies in this vicinity roughly so there's yeah. this cat and mouse with a real character coming for your dog tags while you're still trying to do these levels and it just really elevated the whole game itself. And it's like the first time it happened, it scared the shit out of me. I'm like, <laughs> I was straight away hiding in a bush, prone, not moving. And then, yeah, my my location was, was disclosed. I'm like, fuck, okay, I got to move now. The and chicken's sitting here. Yeah, yeah. And then it, we had a bit of a shootout and a, a snipe across these, like this um, decrepit sort of farmland. I died. And um, you can choose to... Straight away, you can say, I want a rematch, or you can just go back to the game and it'll reload the, the nearest autosave. So you don't like lose all your progression. It'll just put you back to closely where you were before this whole exchange started playing out. So it's just this awesome little wrinkle that just completely threw me for a loop. I didn't pay attention when I went into the game to start with and, and read actually what that was about. But then when it started playing out, it was insane when this character's invading me and trying to kill me fighting against this Jaeger sniper as they're called was just really really cool and just added hmm. so much tension and so much stress to me <laughs> while I was already stressful trying to sneak around and and do my thing for for the American French alliance that we had going on here but it was really good and surprise hit like I was playing this game with no expectations and I'm really enjoying it it's one of the funnest things I've played in a long time and yeah, if if you're already on Game Pass, do yourself a favor and download this and give it a spin because it's super fun. Like, it's not a perfect 10 out of 10 game, but it is a really highly scored, highly enjoyable game that is uh, well worth your time. And just the way you can go about these missions, combining in that invasion element at any given time is just super cool and a great wrinkle. And yeah, I, I highly recommend it. It's definitely 8-bit uh, approved for me. Awesome. I like how I always had an interest in playing these kind of games because like I'm not necessarily whenever we play first person shooters, I'm usually the one to kind of avoid snipering, but I feel like 
it's usually because when especially in a team environment playing in a battle royale there's so much on the line to you know miss a shot but like this kind of game sounds pretty cool to me because like it's the focus force it's the focal point but it's also I like that you kind of connected it to Hitman as well the way that kind of things are laid out which tells me that you can kind of set your pacing which I appreciate Mm -hmm. um and it's on Game Pass so maybe I will have a look at this one because I've always been intrigued so um this might be the time to actually try it the game pass hook is awesome like the fact that it's released day one on game pass Mm -hmm. uh like you know we 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 do our best not sound like shields for for game pass but when the value's there you got to talk about it and this is this is a great release one of the one of the better games i've played this year so far and it's super fun and yeah like if you like hitman or if you like war games (laughs) they've blended the two together in this game and it's just fun and enjoyable and stressful but accessible like as you said you get just dropped into this big map and as you walk around you'll get more things pop up as far as oh we've just found out there's a giant you know anti-aircraft gun over there that you could disarm if you want to so you could trudge over there or you could just go for the target you can do anything on the map in whatever order you choose and it's really awesome to have that freedom of choice while you're getting gunned down from every which way. And yeah, it's, it's super cool. Like Rebellion, the studio behind this is, uh, I think they've really found their secret source for this franchise. Uh, you know, fifth time lucky, I guess. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've always had like a, you know, a, a strong fan base behind it. And there's been plenty of memes from each release that we kind of get as announced. So uh, I just added to the list and another, another great Sniper Elite game. 100%. And, and those x-ray shots, they just never get old. Especially if, if you're really shooting don't. like from far, far away and you're taking into account wind speed, bullet drop and all that, and you like get a headshot from like across the map, you feel so good. You feel so good, especially when you see the x-ray and like the eye shock goggles. Like it's like, ah, the eyeballs through the skull and it's just a whole thing. And um, yeah, check it out. Sniper Elite 5 available now on, on a whole host of platforms and uh, available included in uh, Xbox Game Pass. But uh, quick bit of housekeeping. Obviously, you wanted to support us, you can do so by buying our merchandise over at shop8bit.net or over at ko-fi.com forward slash we are 8-bit flow low price of $1 per month. You get exclusive access to perks, giveaways, random swagger, and a whole lot more. Um, we've also got our latest giveaway still running live for an ATH GL3 gaming headset from Audio-Technica. To enter, all you've got to do is simply just take a screenshot of you leaving a rating for The Hungry Gamers or any of the other 8-Bit podcasts on Spotify. It's a two-second process. You grab that screenshot there, you drop it in our DMs on the socials at We Are 8-Bit or on the email at hello at 8bit.net and you go in the draw and we'll be announcing that uh, in early June. So uh, do what you can there to get an ATH GL3 Gaming's headset. Fantastic headset. Comes in white and black. So uh, you might even have some choice on which aesthetic you're going for. It feels good and uh, sounds even better. But Miss Hart, let's jump into this. This week's news headlines. And the first quick hitter. Makes me sad a little bit, but I'm still excited for the game overall. Supermassive Games has announced the online multiplayer component for its upcoming release, The Quarry, has been delayed. 
And the tweet slash quote reads, The wait is almost over and Supermassive Games is so excited for you to get your hands on the quarry, the developer tweeted, while bringing its community's attention to the game's release date of June the 10th. So obviously this game is out in the next fortnight. But they follow on to say, However, we've made the difficult decision to delay the online multiplayer. Supermassive states the reason for this delay is to ensure that it delivers the best possible experience to players on its eventual release date. Thankfully, this delay is not going to be a huge one and the online multiplayer is now planned to release via an update by the 8th of July. So, literally under a month after release. So, that's not too bad. Um, I was a little bit sad because I've, I've got some keys queued for, for us to play like we did with House oh of Ashes God. online yeah. together. <laughs> but that's going to have to wait. So, we're going to have to get our singular experience and feedback for the quarry uh, leading up to release. And then a month later, we'll have to pivot back and see how we go uh, working collectively to survive oh, no. uh, the quarry and, <laughs> and uh, what's his name? Da- David Arquette and his yeah. uh, host of cronies. I got so much anxiety. Like like playing the super massive games, you obviously have that low level anxiety playing it anyway because any mistake changes the narrative. Um, but then when we played together, I felt even more anxiety <laughs> because I didn't want to fuck it up. <laughs> because then I'm not only ruining it for myself, I'm ruining it for you too. So, and this one looks this one looks extra spooky. Um, it really does. So now I'm now I'm even more anxious, getting sweaty palms. It's but like, you know what? If anything, this gives us a month to hone our crafts. So by the time true. the multiplayer comes around, we could be veterans of the quarry. Yeah, true, true, true. Like this one looks really exciting. It look really like I'm I'm really getting vibes from like the original like Until Dawn. Until mm. Dawn? Yes. Yep. Um and I'm kind of excited because I think they did really well narrative there, narratively there and kind of setting the stage for scariness. And so I'm, I'm actually looking forward to seeing playthroughs of um, The Quarry. Me too. Like, it feels like it's going to be a return to their, to their roots with Until Dawn, like, yeah. which is still the pinnacle of, of this choose-your-own-adventure horror extraordinaire that they've sort of fine-tuned and, and added and tweaked to over the years with the the Dark Pictures anthology games. But, yeah, the quarry looks like it could be, you know, if it lands the right way, it feels like it could be right up there with Until Dawn as, as far as one of my favourite games that, that I've played. And yeah. I'm excited to see what they do with it. I like where the story's implying it's going to go and the grittiness yeah. and just that 80s slashery vibe that that just sort of pours through in the trailers. And the fact that this game's out, like we're recording on the 28th of May right now. So this game's out in in a little under two weeks time. And um, I'm very excited to play. And then I'm very excited to play the month after with you, like with the likes of yourself. Maybe we can try and get a few more people in and have like a four player online. Yeah. I think it's, you can have more Um, either that, or you could just like, um, you know, could do the passer control and have a few different characters controlled by a few uh, people locally mixing in the online. So I'm excited to see what we can do there. Uh, should be interesting. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I cannot wait. But uh, yeah, that's that's yeah one of my most anticipated for the for the year and the fact that it's coming out very soon. Um, happy days. Very very happy days. Um, something else that's a bit of a happy day, which is coming out in the next few, I should say. Um, Sony has announced a summer or winter for us here in the AU state of play broadcast showing off upcoming PlayStation 5 and PlayStation VR 2 games 
And you don't have to wait too long, listeners, because this is going to be happening on Thursday, June 2nd, or Friday, June 3rd, for here in the AU in the morning. So, uh, yeah, they've said I think they're going to showcase up or upwards of about 20 new PS mm. VR 2 games, as well as some other announcements. So, uh, this is cool. This is cool. I don't know if this is going to be their big summer state of play. That's a good question, actually. But uh, yeah, more more content and excited to see what they're doing with the the PSVR two because Same. I'm probably going to buy it, play it for about five minutes, love it, and then it's going to sit there with my other PSVR. Yeah, I'm always interested to see how much they've developed into the VR space. Um, PlayStation kind of leading the way in the I guess in the console basis. So I, I like to I'd like to see like kind of what they've been developing and what they've been backing. Um, hopefully it's not a lot of the other like VR titles from the other devices and just porting it onto a PlayStation. Yeah, either way, uh, it should be interesting to see what Sony has lined up. I'm sure a lot of like of the rumored stuff will probably actually get announced and kind of clear the air of a lot of the rumors that have been going around the first half of this year so um but yeah you're right i wonder if this is going to be their their actual summer event or this is just something that they kind of push through until games fest yeah which is like a week and a bit after that so so that's that's why it's interesting because we got a lot of stuff sandwiched in over the next few weeks with this new state of play we've got game fest we've got the xbox and bethesda showcase as well in those first two weeks of june so we got some big things on the way well it's very curious so it'll be interesting to see what they announce i guess after the after the fact we'll see if they did it earlier just to you know lower expectations before games fest or they thought that they had some shit to show so they wanted to kind of have their own have their own moment, so... You know what? Like, all it's going to take for them to win 2022 at the moment is for this little summer state of play to potentially end with a God of War Ragnarok teaser and then oh, drop an announcement date, like, for release of, let's say, hypothetically, October or November 2022. That right there would just go... Didn't it get delayed? No, it's still, on, it's still allegedly on track for this year. Oh, I thought this was one of the ones that was delayed into the f- the first first quarter of uh, next year. But. Yeah, it's it's still hanging in there. I just saw it got um, it went through sort of the local licensing through Korea for 2022, which oh, states okay. that it's going to be out this year, but we don't know any specifics. So we'll see. Yeah, that's we'll see. Yeah. And as as the big games are dropping like flies, yeah, God of War, even though it would already stand stand apart from a lot of those other triple A's, uh, would be ascended even higher if uh, they do confirm that it's coming out at the end of, you know, let's say holiday 2022. Um, In much different news, GameStop has officially entered the crypto and NFT space. The company announced that it has launched its own digital asset wallet that users can download via the Chrome web store. The video game retail chain is going all in on crypto, it seems. The company is now providing a wallet in which to store currency and enable current and future transactions. I'm just going to shoot from the hip and say, yo, GameStop, you suck. Oh, wow. Soundbite. Yeah, I I always I thought this was like kind of interesting because GameStop obviously had that infamous uh, moment where their stocks and their shares kind of went through a like bit of a roller coaster where people started buying and holding the line and all that sort of business. So, you know, they kind of had a brush with the, you know, stock market. And it seems like a lot of people 
um, who kind of sat within that space definitely moved on towards like crypto and NFTs and such. So I think GameStop is just kind of throwing darts at the board and seeing like what, you know, what sticks. But this one, this one's a bit weird. Um, this, this one's definitely a choice because it's just, it's the, it's a wallet, right? So it's not that they've released their own crypto or that they've released their own NFTs. They're just, um, creating a space for people to keep their. Yeah. So, so they're almost just saying, yeah, we'll, we'll house your, your wallets and your, your various coins and we'll just clip the ticket slightly on the way through for transactions. But I'm wondering if this is going to then open them up to having, certain limited GameStop NFTs and, and mate, like I can already see the, the connectivity and the synergy here with some of the, the, the devs out there and the publishers jumping into NFTs where oh. let's just say Ubisoft, for example, release a particular skin, but you can only get that NFT laden skin through GameStop through their wallet. So I think there's some strategic partnerships that I are going to pop up so over you the think, coming years. Yeah, do you reckon do you reckon that they're just guessing or do you think maybe some higher ups at GameStop actually know what's going on and they've just said, yeah, let's just, you know, if gamers are going to start having NFTs, let's just, let's be the space that they know that they're already familiar with and safe with and they'll come to us, especially the uneducated or and the people that are not so knowledgeable about NFTs. You're just going to go with what play. you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a smart play. And you think of like the casual gamer, like you were talking about the the brick and mortar stores, like they're becoming few and far between. It's true, yeah. And the casual gamer or the casual gamer's parents that are coming in to buy the games and like, oh, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Smith, I know you're picking this game up or this console up for, for your son, Timmy. Did you know if you were to sign up today for our NFT gaming wallet, you can also get him this free limited edition skin through Ubisoft or through publisher or developer xy would you like to pay the extra dollar to do that now and it's like hmm sneaky like i know this is all hypothetical but you can already see things like that that could uh, be implemented pretty easily i yeah well essentially like uh, we we know that a lot of studios definitely depend on the pre-orders like pre-orders are definitely something that they really depend on so then that's why we see a lot of things um of like pre-order bonuses and pre-order limited editions and such um i know from my personal experience i don't really ever really pre-order anything because i never find worth or value in the items that are usually offered for pre-orders but I guess now if they start throwing around NFTs as uh, like pre-ordered bonuses and such, then yeah, you just, like you kind of suggested, you just pack, pack it in together with the purchase mm-hmm. and the pre-order and then you got a wallet and then you got your NFT and everything's all a, a nice and knit bundle. And, and that's it. And with those NFT skins or pre-order bonuses, you know, they're, they're a finite quantity like it's not just like a a Fortnite skin where everybody on Fortnite could buy it only a select few would have these nft skins or perks or cosmetic items so there is that uh that fomo there that could then generate more sales so it's going to be interesting Mm. you know the, the crypto market at the moment it's hemorrhaging money left right and center but uh it's very volatile as as people know so it's going to return to form then it'll dip again and then there'll be another run and so on and so forth so uh yeah we'll, we'll see see what happens with this with GameStop and if this might potentially flow into from the local market you know EB Games doing something like that maybe I don't know like yeah that's interesting 
it's dicey. Um, on, on some unrelated news, but just uh, wanted to shout out really quickly to a streamer known as Bushy Games, who has uh, been, been starting to get a little bit of hype and momentum around the internet space because uh, he's, he's built a build in Elden Ring. So he, he set himself a goal where he wanted to one-shot only any boss. He couldn't, like, you know, attack this boss and take it down in two hits. Um, one-shot only, and he came up with this crazy strength-based melee build with a... I think the hammer was called, like, a Troll Smasher hammer. Mm. And then he had certain buffs and nerfs that he was combining to level up and I watched this play like, like I watched the the highlight reel it's about 50 minutes compressed down of his I think 24 hours or so total game time where he was testing it out and seeing what kind of damage he needed to do to, to kill all the all the mainline bosses in Elden Ring and he did it and holy hell it's impressive to watch and uh yeah just wanted to, to highlight bushy games there because you know I've, I've fallen off the Elden Ring train I think you've fallen off the Elden Ring train I don't know if I'm gonna hop back on maybe one day yeah I like I kind of want to because it's like after watching my husband play it there's been like little things that I kind of thought like oh that's so cool I want to experience that um I definitely do feed off a lot of other people's um excitement experience and I hear these things and I'm just like I kind of want to experience that. I want to have my experience with that. So there's definitely things that make me want to play it, but I don't, I don't know. It's just that it's that that initial hurdle of kind of developing a character at a at a level where the game isn't such a a struggle. Mm-hmm. And I think it's I think it's getting over that. So maybe I'll force my husband to kind of play the first part of a character for me, so <laughs> then I can just play around with it after after the fact. I'll have to see. Yeah, it's a smart play. Like those those first few hours are are tough, and it's brutal. especially for someone that's not a Souls veteran, it's no. especially tough. But uh, yeah, some some of the people that live and breathe th- this game or this genre, it's just insane. Like we were talking offline about people going through and doing like no hit runs and no stuff hits, like that, yeah. and it's just like get out of here, it's get wild. out of here. You're far too good and far too talented. But yeah, hat tip to hat tip to those gamers. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, if you love something a lot and you got the time, then hey, put the effort in and break the rewards. <laughs> rewards? Is it really yeah, rewarding? You, well, you I get guess rewards. So, yeah. You kill them, and they give you an item usually, and some and some runes. So I guess you reap reap in game rewards. You, you gamer cred. That's it. That's it. Something that uh, I'm excited to reap the rewards in in 2023, and this is uh, the first trailer for Star Wars Jedi Survivor has premiered just this morning or just tonight, depending on where you are in the world, as part of the Star Wars celebration currently taking place. So this is obviously the sequel to the critically acclaimed Star Wars game that came out a couple of years back, known as Jedi Fallen Order. And in the brief cinematic trailer, we see Cal Kestis after the events of Jedi Fallen Order, where he's still on the run from the Empire. The trailer is short on plot. It's got plenty of Star Wars with new Inquisitors and new mysteries thrown in. Curiously, Cal, who spent the previous game gaining a family of allies, is all alone, and his lightsaber, which he spent so much time rebuilding, appears to fall into the hands of the Empire. Essentially, Cal is in a bad place at the start of Jedi Survivor. Respawn's Respawn's next Star Wars action RPG will be released on next-gen platforms only, so we're talking PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, Slash S, and PC. This is not happening on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Mm -hmm. only new hardware stack which makes sense because they can take advantage 
of the new development tools at their disposal. But the cool thing is this game is coming out next year. I really, really, really loved uh, Jedi Fallen Order and I can't wait to jump back in and see what old uh, Cal Kestis has been up to. And the trailer runs for about a minute or so. Looks stunning. Very dark and, and tense, but it looks great. Looked beautiful. There was like moments in watching it where I'm like, hang on, is this is this FMV? Is this, you know, is this graphics like cg like like what is happening because it's like there are moments that it's just absolutely polished and like i can't even fathom like fathom it being a game um i'm wondering if this is like well like obviously this is like like you said it's a small snippet um obviously cinematic that's usually the best of the best content that you can usually see from a game but i'm just wondering if maybe now as we start seeing studios just saying sorry this next game is only going to be coming out on the newer gen um consoles like i wonder if we're going to really start seeing this this like you know this defining moment especially in console gaming where the graphics really you know gets bumped up and we really start seeing some incredible incredible looking content so it's exciting i haven't finished the um the other game but uh like it was fun it was lots of lots of fun um i i enjoyed my time with it that i played and um this has me excited for this one i'm i'm hyped for it and um yeah, it's, it's awesome that we know that it's coming out next year. We don't know exactly when, but knowing we've got another big AAA to look forward to for 2023, it's going to be it's going to be very full slate after a year of delays in 2022. And who knows what else is going to drop over the next day or two with this Star Wars celebration going on. Obviously, we're seeing a lot of trailers and a lot of new announcements for stuff making its way to the big and the small screen. And, yeah. Uh, maybe we'll see some more of the uh, many Star Wars games in development from a whole host of new studios at the moment too. So, yeah, uh, yeah good times. All right, the uh, the next bit of news, which I've uh, called Netflix and Focus, and um, in a new presentation to investors, Sony has said it has a God of War TV show in development for Amazon and a further Gran Turismo pitch it is also working on, but they've also come out by confirming that Horizon Zero Dawn is getting adapted to the small screen for Netflix. Three new Sony projects have been officially announced to be making its way to the small and the big screen at the moment. These are latest three projects come in addition to another three video game adaptations, which Sony has listed as part of the presentation documentation as well. So obviously we're talking about uh, HBO's currently shooting The Last of a Series, a Ghost of Tsushima movie, and a Twisted Metal show for NBC's Peacock. Of these HBOs, The Last of Us appears closest to release and currently has a vague 2023 release date. The Mandalorian himself, Pedro Pascal, has been cast as Joel. Game of Thrones alum Bella Ramsey will be playing Ellie. Casting for the Twisted Metal series is currently ongoing. With Earlier this week, Scream star Nev Campbell was tapped to play Raven. Falcon turned Captain America Anthony Mackie will play the lead role of John Doe. Sandman actor Thomas Hayden Church and Brooklyn Nine-Nine's Stephanie Beatrice will also star. Yes. As for Sony's Ghost of Tsushima adaptation, which seems further off, We've heard relatively little. The past 12 months has seen John Wick director Chad Tahiski and writer Takeshi Dosha attached. Reportedly, the adaptation is still in early development. So, Miss Hart, we got six big Sony franchises making its way to the small and the big screen there. Obviously, the the Twisted Metal one still makes me laugh and roll my eyes, and I still don't know how it's going to work. Such a choice. 
And the fact that like Nev Campbell signed on for it now, like also a weird choice. Like like it, I'm sure it makes sense somewhere. But like I think when when you start off with like oh yeah we're making a twisted metal TV show um it's just like yeah, I'm sorry you're what like Ghost of Tsushima as a movie makes sense obviously The Last of Us as a TV series makes sense but yeah twisted metal you're weird um the idea that they're going out there and just taking all of their IP and turning it into um yeah putting it on the screen essentially regardless God of War makes sense but. It's like I remember what people kind of felt when they said that they were going to make The Witcher into a series. A lot mm-hmm. of people are, are strong lovers of the Witcher franchise and were very passionate about it and were very extremely worried about it. I feel like doing God of War is just another level of that, and they're, they're really going to have to watch themselves with what they do and who they pick and with what they choose because. A lot of people love that franchise. A lot of people love the storytelling in that franchise um, and the characters attached to it. So, like, picking a Kratos. Yeah, like, the casting's going to be tough for all these, isn't it? Well, yeah. apart from the Gran Turismo film that apparently is in development, like... I know nothing about that. Like, yeah. I just Nor assume... Nor do I care. I just assume Gran Turismo is going to be cars, like the Disney <laughs> Pixar. <laughs> it's just Owen Wilson voicing the lead car in Gran Turismo. Yeah, we've got to go really fast, guys. Got to go fast um, and get my S-grade license. <laughs> so, but I, I worry. I worry about, like, this... Because... We, what we saw with Halo, right? We saw where mm. people said this is a loved franchise. Like, people love this franchise. There's already a story in this franchise and there's already characters in this franchise that people love. But then they, when they turn that over, we've understood that the, they've kind of, they didn't want to do that. They didn't want to copy paste what people knew and they wanted to take their own creative liberties. And uh, let's just say it doesn't seem like it worked out for them. Like based on the f- fan base, like you could say that some people have really enjoyed it, but I'm going to say that a good majority did not enjoy Halo this like series. Um, so w- what Sony decides to do with these beloved franchises, um, it's 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 going to matter. I guess maybe after The Last of Us gets released, we'll kind of know what uh, what Sony will do. Mm. It feels like um. Yeah, it's risky and it's it's divisive. Like like what you mentioned there regarding Halo is fans of these these franchises hold them dearly. Like like I I adore these franchises, especially Horizon Zero Dawn. Like it's one of my favorite games of all time, and I want what they take from that game and that source material to Netflix and convey it and convert it in the right way and. Yeah, the casting's going to be big for all of these. Like knowing Aloy so well on the screen, and if that reimagining on on the, on on Netflix is different, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a moment to adjust and reset those expectations. But yeah, like it's cool that Sony is throwing their hat into this ring, and they obviously want to diversify their portfolio and get get more money and eyes on these IPs. <laughs> Twisted Metal, as we said. Still a head scratcher, but anyway. But yeah, like they're they've taken their biggest franchises, you know, God of War, 
Horizon, The Last of Us, you know, these three, these like these three big narrative heavy franchises and, and they're doing what they can to get it converted to screen. But it's interesting they've sort of dropped them on different streamers. Like they haven't just yeah. partnered up with just Amazon wholly and solely. Like God of War's over on Amazon, Horizon's on Netflix, Gran Turismo's allegedly going to be made into a movie. We've got The Last of Us on HBO. So they're sort of like they're not putting all their eggs in one basket, which I think is probably a smart move. It means we might get different retellings and different caliber of story and show. And maybe after this initial test run for these first series, uh, when they make their way to these streamers, they'll realize, okay, maybe Amazon was the right place for all this or HBO. or But also well, yeah. allows them to, to tell different things tonally too because obviously HBO is typically the the grittier, more in-your-face, no-hold-back platform where there's less restrictions on what they can get away with. I mean, Amazon's made some great content and I'm sure they're not holding holding themselves back restriction-wise. So so maybe we could see a similar level of, you know, honesty in the... um, Oh, God, but what happens if they try to hit um, God of War with, like, younger fans so they don't make it as as violent and yeah. gory yeah but i think they have to like there's some heavy source material in the god of war games and it really is yeah like i i'd feel probably more comfortable if horizon was on amazon like as opposed to netflix like netflix oh, yeah. is don't get me wrong netflix has made some great shows but not with how netflix has been running lately yeah like they're cutting costs they're hemorrhaging money where Amazon has got so many big fantasy TV shows on the books or in development. Uh, so I'd, I would feel a lot better with Horizon being on Amazon or on HBO as opposed to Netflix. So that part scares me a little bit because Horizon's my favorite one out of all these franchises listed. And it's on the one with probably the most volatile environment the most uh, uncertain as far as the support like and you know netflix are quick to cut shows so if this exactly. horizon show does not make whatever sum they've got in their mind day one as far as downloads and views horizon could be dead before it even finds a footing yeah uh, time will tell time will tell but uh, yeah nev campbell coming to twisted metal <laughs> It's it's going to be so dumb, but I've got to watch it. Yeah. I just hope they make Axel the guy that's like part human and part car. You know, like his, his arms are attached to the giant wheels and his legs are attached to the axle on the bottom. Like he's literally a man car. I hope we get Axel in, uh, in Twisted Metal. What's that? I was just trying to think of what was that animated series where the guy used to turn into a car? It was from like... The- no, it was like from like the 80s or something. Like that. I'll have to look that up. That's I was thinking thing. of like Mask, but they don't no, turn not into mask. cars. They no. just drive trucks and stuff. Yeah, Mask. Um, no, I'll have, to, I'll have to look that up. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I think there's some of these could be executed really well. Like I'm confident on The Last of Us. I'm confident on the Ghost of Tsushima film. I'm confident on God of War and Amazon. Gran Turismo film, I could not give two shits about. I don't understand. Is it just going to try and take the low-hanging fruit and, and become a new Fast and the Furious type franchise? I don't know. And then Horizon Zero Dawn, I hope, gets the love and care it deserves. Like, it scares me because, yeah, Netflix has just been so up, down, round, around at the moment, and it scares me. Mm. Mm. 
All right. On the same note of The Last of Us, obviously uh, the much-rumoured Last of Us remake reportedly launching later this year. So it's still officially unannounced as far as a date, but they're talking about the remake coming out at the back end of this year. This has uh, initially surfaced in April of 2021, where Bloomberg reported the project had initially been in the works at Sony's San Diego-based Visual Arts Service Group before Naughty Dog was asked to take over. Further evidence of the project's existence emerged earlier this year when a member of Naughty Dog's QA team listed an unannounced remake, in quotes, on their resume, a reference which has since been removed. Yet while there's still no official word on a Last of Us remake, rumours of the project continue to swirl with ever-leaky Gamesbeat reporter Jeff Grubb now claiming it's set for a 2022 release. Oh, snap. Yeah, like, The Last of Us, phenomenal game. Um, It has been ported and and sort of uplifted for the PlayStation 4 uh, back then when it was sort of, you know, obviously it dropped on PS3 and then made its way to PS4 within that sort of transitional period with the platforms. Mm. Another fresh coat of paint for PlayStation 5. Cool. But I think what Naughty Dog should do is, if this remake is a thing, hold it off and have a Last of Us remake plus The Last of Us Part 2 bundle day one available when HBO's Last of Us TV show releases. Like, try and have it all go, boom, one time. There you go. There's all your Last of Us game content in one skew, in one package, and here's the TV show that accompanies it. Yeah, unless they're trying to do the preemptive strike where, you know, like a lot of people kind of get ready for a series. So sometimes people play the game before then. Oh, um, yeah, that's true. So may- maybe they're just trying to get ready for those people. And then when the series comes out and random people who have no idea about the game watch it and then they're like, oh, maybe I should play this game. And then they've already got it ready to go. So mm, Bit of a palate cleanser. <laughs> In a say. weird I was going to say dystopian, depressing way. Yeah, <laughs> but um, <sighs> yeah, uh, a remake. Uh, it, maybe it looks good. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'll play it. Who knows? It'll look very pretty. Like a pig no doubt. Yeah. yeah, it'll look great, and it's it's one of the best stories in video gaming. Um, the last bit of news, Miss Hart, we're going to be tackling is the top ten most played games this year are mostly old favorites. So despite a fulfilling start to the year for the games industry, none of the top 10 played games during 2022's Q1 were released this year. Earlier this week, NPD's executive director and video game industry advisor, Matt Piscatella, shared stats from the NPD's group's Player Pulse. The list, which uh, chronologically ranks the top 10 most played games during 2022's Q1, sees games as old as 2009's Minecraft and 2013's Grand Theft Auto V still standing as player favourites. Piscatella pointed out that half of the games that made the list were launched before the 2020s, most notably Elden Ring, which we gave a 10... Most notably, Elden Ring, which became the best-selling game of the past year, ranked 20th and fell short to older games like Rocket League and World of Warcraft. Piscatella accredited the game's surprisingly low placement to the success of Evergreen and live service games, calling them gravity wells for player attention, time, and spending. Q1 is typically defined as the period from January to the end of March, so Elden Ring would have only been released for one month. So obviously, Elden Ring has been selling... Boatloads and boatloads of copies, but uh, that has since flowed on from that initial month's release. So I'd be curious to see where it stacks up for, say, the Q2 um, statistics if it climbs those ranks and gets higher than that 20th um, number there. 
as it currently stands. But um, yeah, we just we just love our nostalgia. We love our old games. We love our games as service. And it was interesting that quote that Piscatella said there, where it's gravity wells for player attention, time, and spending. So mm. uh, you know all them skins and microtransactions and and whatever else. It's uh, yeah, no surprises. So do you want me to rattle off the top ten? Go as on, far then. as what they were. So, so going from 10 down to 1, NBA 2K20, tw- uh, NBA 2K22 is at 10th. Call of Duty Vanguard is 9. Madden NFL 22 is at 8. Call of Duty Warzone is at 7. Animal Crossing New Horizons is at 6. Among wow. Us is at 5. Fortnite's at 4. The Sims 4 at 3. Grand Theft Auto 5 at 2. And Minecraft is at 1. I mean, like, I understand that, like, usually the first quarter can be a bit light sometimes, but we've had a few titles now that were essentially due within that first quarter pushed next year. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's definitely a lot of rumblings that I've been seeing on social media where a lot of people have kind of been attacking each other in stupid fucking console war bullshit, but just talking about how nothing's been released how there haven't been many AAA games released and there's nothing to essentially play or fill that specific void. But I think it is good to pay attention that sometimes um, players just like playing the same game anyway and that most of our attention can like just be spent in the same kind of titles over and over and over again. I mean, we constantly see GTA as being like the top-selling game um in numbers and like minecraft has just always been consistently popular and there's just a really weird space in minecraft that i have never really kind of stepped beyond because i've heard some freaky obsessive kind of stuff happening over there but that would explain it's relevant like it's still being relevant to this day Mm -hmm. um and gaining new fans so I mean, like it, it's been an interesting first half, uh, first quarter of the year. Um, even now, um, with titles that have kind of come out, I don't think we've had ex- anything extremely lasting. Elden Ring has probably been one of the most successful. I'm now trying to think if I'm about to eat my words on what has essentially since been released that could even hold a flame to Elden Ring at this point in time. Yeah, like like obviously Horizon Forbidden West came out this year as well, which which was big time. But yeah, Elden Ring's been the um, the story of the year so far by by quite a margin. And um, I wonder yeah, if ex- it's exclusivity hurt Horizon. Then when yeah. did Horizon come out? Horizon came out in February. Yeah, like we we had God of like even though God of War was it was a game that made its way to to PlayStation a few years ago. It, it made its way to PC in January. I'm just looking at notable titles that dropped out this year. Yeah, like we had Gran Turismo 7 come out in March. The Witch Queen, the Destiny 2 expansion, came out in February as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but like, <coughs> yeah, a lot of like, oh, Kirby the For- and the Forgotten Land, but it's a bit more like, you know, it moves units, but uh, it's... Also it's a, still console exclusive. Still console exclusive, Nintendo only. Uh, you know, like Tunic, which was an indie title. Uh, it's been a lot of indies because we've had a lot of the big name games delayed to the back end of this year. Oh, Pokemon Legends Arceus came out in January. Uh, but, you know, they're specific platform exclusives as well, which would lessen the the player base. So, 
Yeah, people just going back to their comfort food, going back to Minecraft, a game that came out in goddamn 2009. Gosh. He sold that ages ago, didn't he? Imagine knowing like it would be this popular. And I, I'm, I love that game. I love Minecraft. So I'm just yeah. a part of the pack. Yeah, well, he's smart. Like he obviously cashed out for, what was it? One something billion dollars. Like he made made his money. He could oh, could yeah. have made more money if he held on to it for longer. But you know what? You, you you take that money right then when you can and not ever have to work again and not ever have to worry. So uh, yeah, he's yeah. smart and yeah, this that game is eternal. Like we we make fun of Grand Theft Auto Five coming out in 2013 and still getting updates and being relevant, but Minecraft came out four years before that. <laughs> And they're the top two most played games for, for Q1 of 2022. So go figure. Yeah. Like, if scaling it back, the top five games, the latest one was released in 2018. So the, the fifth place game, which was Among Us, was released in 2018. So the, the top five games are all four plus years old. So go <laughs> figure. Hmm. Interesting. Horizon should have been on there because it's great. But anyway, let's uh, jump into this. If you do actually want to hear about and play some new things this week instead of games that are four plus years old. New releases and events. As far as podcasts coming out this week, you will hear the next episode of Comedy Rewind where uh, the Hoop Dreams boys are reuniting for one night only to tackle Will Ferrell's NBA love letter, maybe NBA basketball parody uh, known as Semi Pro. So you'll be able to check that out on podcast airwaves this coming week. As far as new TV shows making its way to streamers, um, haven't been able to sort of dig up and see all the things coming out in the start of June, but the only one I've managed to dig up on Netflix of note is the second season of The Floor is Lava, which is an absolute disaster of a game show on Netflix, which um, I enjoyed. It's dumb, it's silly, but um, it's accessible and easy viewing. Yeah, the, the stupid shows are good. They they pass the time and they keep you happy. Like, um, I watched a lot of old, old, old Iron Chef while yes. I was sick. Um, Pluto has a channel that just streams at twenty four seven. So, uh, I just, I just, I love watching that. And this, it's, it's an interesting watch. I, I recommend mm. what going back and watching the the classic episodes because there's a lot of uh, interesting voiceover. Um, and are these like the, the OG ones from Japan that they did, yeah. not the ones, the Americanized version? Yeah, no, no. These are the OG Japan ones. So good. So, yeah. Yeah, I think like a Takeshi Castle kind of level of a um, dubbing. But yeah, stupid fun sometimes just all you need. Exactly, exactly. And the other things obviously you'll see popping this week, we'll get uh, the third episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, yeah. We've also got the first half of um, yeah, season four of Stranger Things available to consume right now. And obviously the second half of that season will be dropping in early July. As far as new movies coming out this year, there's not a ton. Uh, there's a few like little indie gems scattered around the place and like a Charlie XEX biopic that's that's hitting the screens. But nothing of note compared to last week where we had uh, you know things like uh, Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun, yeah made its way to the screens, which I'm keen to check out. As far as games coming out this uh, upcoming release cycle, we've got uh, got a lot of titles here. I'll, uh, I'll rattle them off because we're sort of covering the last of May and then into the start of June here. So if we're looking at sort of from May 30, we've got Maglem Lord, 
Dwerve, Gremlin Collection 1, which is a compilation uh, that stems from Ever Arcade, Intel, Intellivision Collection 2, which is another compilation, Just Shapes and Beats, which is an action music game, uh, Lapin, which is a platformer, Morph Cat Games Collection number 1, uh, Snow Runner, making its way to some other platforms. It's obviously already available on things like Xbox Game Pass. And then we've also got Squish, which is a party platformer slash puzzle game. And if we're looking at the start of June, uh, we have got Death Run TV, which is a twin stick roguelike, uh, Pinku Coit, Hex Mortis, which is an RPG, Card Shark, which is a uh, card RPG strategy game, which has been getting a lot of positive press out there from early previews. Clan O'Connell and the Crown Stag, which is a platformer. Uh, Diablo Immortal, which is obviously the mobile version of Diablo stripped down that you can have a look at. Apocalypse, making its way um, to platforms as well on the 2nd of June. Gravitar Recharged. Surface Rush, The Last Clockwinder. Tokyo, The Tower of Perpetuity, just rolls <laughs> off the tongue. And the last one coming out this week is known as Super Perils of Baking. So, uh, you know, that looks cute. Little little sort of uh, throwback uh, side-scroller done by Lilimo Games. Yeah, where it just highlights the, the, the dramas and the stress and strains of being the ultimate baker and getting cursed by an evil baking hat. Um, I hate it when that circling, happens. Cir- <laughs> circling back to, to, to last week, I actually did... Um, intend to have a look at a game that, that Jono and I talked about and that Benny mentioned up on Discord called Voodoo Detective, oh, which yeah. is that point-and-click game that looks very uh, nostalgic trip. Yeah, it's it's very Monkey Island-esque, and I went to buy it and play it, and da- the damn game's like 30 bucks. I'm like, um, no, I'm good. I'm not paying 30 bucks for this. I wanted to see what it was about, but you know what? My 30 bucks is going to go towards pizza and buffalo wings instead. Um, the game looks great, but uh, 30 bucks is a little rich for my blood, Miss Hart. Says the guy who buys uh, cards, fake cards in a, on, like, on his hey, mobile. You leave me alone. I've been pretty good lately. <laughs> I spend all my money now on Fortnite skins. You leave me alone. <laughs> It's been, uh, a bit of a down, it's been a bit of a down week on the Fortnite store, I must say. I've been checking it every day. I have no there idea. There is an Obi-Wan skin now. Which I'm like, maybe, maybe not. But um, yeah, nothing, no nothing, nothing chasing my chasing my dollars this week, which I've not been too sad about either. But um, let's move into the last part of the podcast. Tweet of the week. And this tweet comes via way of at Glenn Schofield, and uh, obviously Glenn is the creator of Dead Space from back in the day, and he is now chairing the upcoming game, The Callisto Protocol. And his tweet reads, FYI, at Callisto, the game is its own story and world. It no longer takes place in the PUBG universe. It was originally part of the PUBG timeline, but grew into its own world. PUBG is awesome, and we still have little surprises for fans, but TCP is its own world story and universe. So, um, yeah, like when, when this game first was announced and the trailer looks freaking terrifying... Um, and I'm very excited for this game. It's coming out this year still, touch wood. But uh, yeah, it's nice to see that Glenn Schofield has come out now and since said there's no connectivity with Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. And thank God, because that made no sense to me. It, no like, sense to me. He's like saying like um, 
you know, don't worry, it no longer takes place in the PUBG universe. I'm like, what universe? Like, well, what, what, what lore would we understand to link them together except for an abundance of frying pans and yeah. a farmyard? Like the Great like, Space Frying Pan War of 2075. And people falling out of a plane in their underwear. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think any of us could have linked anything to it anyway. Like, um, so okay, cool. Glad to know it's not. And I don't know how you would have established a familiar connection apart from little death <laughs> yeah like a battle royale and frying pans and gas masks and other wonderful oddities that i'm trying to remember from PUBG, but it's like really escaping me now that was that was quite some time ago mm. like like schofield did a, a recent interview with game informer and i sort of, sort of just grabbed a little quote here and he sort of said when we came in Crafton, who was um, you know, part of the broader writing team, had a law team and they were writing this big story. Like, where does PUBG start? Where does it fit in? Had those plans continued, the horror game would have sat pretty far out along the timeline, but somewhere during development, the idea was dropped. So thank God, because it made no sense. Why would you hitch your wagon to that game and that universe when you're trying to make this crazy-ass survival horror that's going to be... Maybe the the next evolution of Dead Space potentially. Yeah, I mean, so they didn't even really have law; they were establishing it to connect mm-hmm. it. So yeah, so they were grasping at straws, maybe to get that um, reinvigorate that PUBG love. But now yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad they kind of can just freely do their own thing and not have any crazy attachments. Yeah, I'm super happy for it. And yeah, if this game comes out at the back end of this year, which is the strong rumour. I cannot wait to play it because it looks freaking terrifying. But Miss Hart, that brings us to the end of episode 285 of THG. Anything else you want to say or shout out before we shut this studio down for another week? I'm going to probably see me on that Diablo Immortal uh, on the on the phone. On I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just kind of very curious to see what this exactly is. My husband has established his firm interest in this game. I believe Benny? also is very keen on this one so um yeah it should be interesting to see diablo on my phone mm. you Who need to buy one of these backbone controller adapters. yeah yeah i think you might have actually sold me on it now um might have to look into it it looks good i wish they were a little bit cheaper but they still look pretty good so uh yeah we'll see you know what gaming on the go it comes at a cost yeah but uh listeners that brings us to the end of the pod Thanks as always for stopping on by, showing us that love. If you want to continue that love and pay that forward, obviously rate, view, subscribe us on Apple Podcasts. And if you do it on Spotify, obviously take a screenshot, send it on through, and go on the running to win yourself a fantastic gaming headset from those legends over at Audio Technica. But for now, I think it's time to get on out of here and uh, you guys can go and watch Obi-Wan. Much love. And stay hungry. You've been listening to The Hungry Gamers, one of many gaming and geek culture-related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry.